0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, turn all ages. you are listening live the to Brandsworth on this Wednesday, March 4th, 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, this might be my best show of all time today. Folks, we're going to be having Michael Reiner and Ben Pagotti for the first time. They are both TV2 members. They're going to be coming in here today at 1230, discussing all sorts of wrestling with me. Plus, at the top of the second hour, co-host of the Mike Sports Talk, Enzo Orlando, is coming back. Now, if you guys remember, last year, Enzo wrote an article that said, hey, Tom Brady's the GOAT. Well, it looks like the GOAT is going out of New England, and we're going Browns, Tribe, and all that, and much more. But ladies and gentlemen, before we start today's show, of course, if you cannot do in, you can always check us out on our podcasting platforms. Now, I wanted to kick off today's show by saying this. Ladies and gentlemen, last week, I was livid on Thursday. I was absolutely livid over the fact that Goldberg won the Universal Championship. And this is what it sounded like.
1: He can't, he can't, he will
0: Jackhammer, cover by Goldberg Shoulders down, he did it Ladies and gentlemen When Goldberg in The Fiend And became the new Universal Champion I was ticked off as I said I was livid, I was angry Why? Because I told you guys What I believed was the perfect Wrestlemania storyline was The Fiend as Universal Champion versus John Cena. And then you could do Roman Reigns versus Goldberg without the championship. However, and again, Ben and Mike know this, and we're going to be talking more about this in about a half hour, but in our group chat, man, I was livid. I was like, man, how could The Fiend lose this part-timer? Are you serious? These Saudi Arabian shows, it's all a money grab. Folks, I got to tell you, I was a victim of the internet. On Thursday, I even tweeted out on my @BWorld account. I said, "BSRWF is better booked than WWE," because I was that upset. Because my thinking was, "Who in the heck could beat The Fiend?" I didn't think The Fiend should take a pinfall that early. Now I'm not even mad that The Fiend lost the Universal Championship. I'm into the fact that Goldberg, who is a part-timer, who really didn't even perform that Jackhammer move particularly well, beat The Fiend and became the new universe champion. However, I will say this. After what happened this past Friday night, live on SmackDown on Fox, I think I'm starting to warm up to the idea. Here's what happened when Goldberg came out. To address the WWE Universe on SmackDown on Friday. Ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Do not be mistaken. It's not about who was last. It's all about who's next. So, you know, I was thinking about this. Roman Reigns, for a year, has not been in the championship picture. As a matter of fact, he's only had one championship match in the past year since he came back from his leukemia. It was an intercontinental championship match against former champion Shinsuke Nakamura back in October on SmackDown. Roman Reigns never lost the universe championship. As I just said, of course, he had to relinquish it. Because of his diagnosis with leukemia. Roman Reigns never got a rematch. For the Universal championship. So it would make sense. For Roman Reigns to just come out. And tell Goldberg. Hey I'm next. I never got my rematch. For, for the Universal championship. I was this close to winning the Royal Rumble. And that's my other issue with this. I'm going to touch on this a little bit later. With Ben and Mike as well. Is I do get the storylines when it comes to what they're doing this year at WrestleMania. I've said this for a while. I think this WrestleMania could be one of the best ever. Here's my concern, and it's all about the things that WWE isn't doing these days, in my opinion, is the little things and the logistics. So, Drew McIntyre won the Royal Rumble. I believe Drew McIntyre should main event against Brock Lesnar, because I believe the winner of the Royal Rumble, whether it's men's or women's, and clearly this year... Drew McIntyre vs Brock Lesnar is a way bigger match than Rhea Ripley vs Charlotte Flair I believe Drew McIntyre should main event Wrestlemania the issue is Goldberg and Roman Reigns is a marquee match we all know that but shouldn't Roman Reigns have to earn that Universal Championship match I mean yeah he didn't get a rematch if that's the story you're going to tell that's fine but shouldn't we at least have an illumination Chamber or a number one contenders match between Reigns and Corbin? Shouldn't that steel cage match at Super Showdown should have been for the person to face for the number one contender for the Universal Championship at WrestleMania? That's what I'm talking about. I'm fine with Roman Reigns coming out and saying, I'm next. It would have easily worked if Roman Reigns would have won the Royal Rumble. Then you could have Drew McIntyre win the Elimination Chamber and face Brock Lesnar. I would have been fine with that. But now, Drew wins the Royal Rumble, he's facing Lesnar. How do you get Roman Reigns to championship match how oh, he just walks out and says he's next? Is that how we're booking things nowadays? Really. So again, I'm not upset, I'm just thinking about the logistics of it. Now, I also talked about the Universal Championship match that I thought was gonna happen between the Fiend and John Cena. Of course, as we all know, this past Friday night in his out of Boston, Massachusetts, John Cena made his return. And ladies and gentlemen, it reminded me on how special John Cena was. This was one of the best promos that John Cena has ever cut. And here it is. Well, it looks like we have a glitch in the system, so I'm not going to be able to play that promo. But basically, what the promo was, was John Cena went out said. Hey, look, I'm not going to be here this year, WrestleMania. You guys are all focused on the future of WWE. He was talking about the future. And as Cena was about to leave the ring after he said he doesn't deserve a WrestleMania match this year, The Fiends came out. And it was one of the most impassionate promos I have ever earned. I'm sorry that the Aki uh, system here is not working. I apologize, or I would have played it. But unfortunately... You guys aren't going to be able to hear it, but again, it was one of the best promos I ever heard out of John Cena. Now, ladies and gentlemen, again, do I think that John Cena and The Fiend for the Universal Championship is a bigger match? I actually do. But I get it, and and Michael was making the argument, and we're going to talk about this in about 20 minutes. That Roman Reigns and Goldberg is a bigger match. Is it? You could make that case. What I'm saying is WWE has two scenarios that they could have gone with. Scenario one, Roman Reigns versus Goldberg, Spear versus Spear. That's all you needed to do to sell that match. And then you have The Fiend as a universal champion versus John Cena. Nobody has been able to win The Fiend. The Fiend defeated Goldberg, Daniel Bryan, Finn Bálor, Seth Rollins. These up superstars. John Cena buried Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania 30. John Cena is known for burying superstars, as of course we all know for those of you that hate John Cena and you would add in the 17th championship storyline, the fact that John Cena would be chasing Rick Ford's record for the all time world championship number at 17 that is the way I would have gone now the way WWE went they said no, they said we're going to do Reigns vs. Goldberg as the marquee match we don't need Cena vs. The Fiend 17 championship storyline We just need the fact that The Fiend is the future of WWE. And I truly do believe that. Do I think The Fiend is buried? I thought so on Thursday. I don't think so anymore. It's called overreacting, and I apologize for that, folks. I do that sometimes. Because wrestling, unlike other sports, you could say football and basketball and baseball to a degree, but wrestling is one of those sports where you get very emotional In the moment, you see a booking decision, and you go, oh my god, that was the stupidest thing ever. You know, in football, usually when a guy makes a boneheaded play, it's a boneheaded play, or in basketball or baseball. In wrestling, we see a boneheaded booking, and we're like, this is the worst thing ever, without seeing what other storylines they have in plan. I've seen people this past week say that Ricochet is buried. Ricochet is not buried. I'm telling you that, I know Paul Amon likes him, Ricochet is not buried. I'm not a particular fan of Ricochet, but he is not buried. Let's not be quick anymore, folks, and again, I'm guilty of this, and I'm going to try to stop doing this. let stop being guilty of when one guy loses saying he's buried. Because he's not buried. The fact is, The Fiend is moving on to a new storyline, I said this a couple weeks ago, or a couple months ago, when me and Mike were together in October. I said, does the Fiend really need the Universal Championship? And my answer was no, but of course they put the championship on him. So my one worry always was how are they going to get the championship off the Fiend? Personally, I would have waited till next year's SummerSlam. I'm SummerSlam 2021. Because I think The Fiend is that strong that he could have carried the Universal Championship for that long. But the matter is now, he is no longer the Universal Champion. And was I upset by it again Thursday? Yes, I was. But at the end of the day, I think it might be okay. And I'm going to talk about that with Mike and Ben in about 15 minutes. Really quickly, though, I do want to transition to this. So it is rumored that over the next week... Tom Brady is potentially going to leave New England. And folks, now you guys know this. I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. And you would expect that I would say, oh man, I want Tom Brady gone. Folks, listen, I have faced Tom Brady in two Super Bowls. Those were the two most fun games in my life. One time I lost, one time I won. I've always said this. We always think that dynasties are bad for sports. But are they really bad for sports? I mean, think about it. We watch New England. Why? Because we want to see them lose. But we also watch New England because they're great. When you watch football, you learn a lot from New England. You learn, hey, it's not based on this guy, this guy, this guy. It's based on matchups. So, you know, I, I really do believe that Tom Brady's leaving New England. And to me, it's going to be sad, and it's going to be a mistake. I've said this before. I believe the Tom Brady-Bill Belichick relationship is 50-50 mutual. I don't believe, oh, Bill Belichick deserves 80% of the credit, or Tom Brady deserves 75% of the credit. No, it's 50-50. Because if you think about it, early on in Tom Brady's career, was he a game manager? Yes, much like Russell Wilson was early in his career. Then Brady got paid, and then he had to carry the team, and then they got Randy Moss, and that offense was explosive. Then Brady carried them for about four or five years. And then, you know, you think about the Atlanta Super Bowl. Brady was down 28-3. to Yeah, New England needed to make stops, but Brady also needed to score points. You think about my Eagles Super Bowl, Super Bowl 52. Brady put up 33 points. That's a lot in the Super Bowl. Brady put up 33 points and lost because Bill Belichick's defense couldn't get one stop. Then you think about Super Bowl 53. Bill Belichick's defense only gave up three points. All he needed from Tom, just give me one touchdown and we win the game. Again, it is a mutual benefit. But I do believe this. I believe that two years ago, Bill Belichick wanted to move off Tom Brady for Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, would I have done it? no? Do I understand why he would? Yes. Because traditionally, we want to move off older players. And Belichick has always been good at, hey, this guy a year early, I'm going to move off him. But Tom Brady is different. And the NFL, though, is changing. You got to admit, Tom Brady right now looks like a dinosaur. Much like Phillip Rivers does. Why? Because they're not mobile. And in today's NFL, do you want somebody that can move? Yes, because offensive line is deteriorating. But also, think about this, guys. New England last year, they had that quote-unquote historic defense that I'm not going to call historic because in big games against big teams, they really struggled for the most part. Think about that last game against Miami in the regular season. They gave up a 10-play 80-yard drive to Ryan Fitzpatrick to get them out of the two-seed. But New England still won 12 games that year. And Tom Brady didn't have a wide receiver that could separate. Their wide receivers were ranked last in separation in the NFL. Tom Brady's best target last year, arguably, was Julian Edelman, of course the former Kent State quarterback, who had a broken-down shoulder. So if you're Tom, and I'm looking at all these rosters. And I'm looking at, you know, the Chargers. The Niners. I know there's been talk about, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady switching. Which I think is realistic. No, I think it'll happen, no, but I think it's fascinating. But you look at Indianapolis. You look at San Francisco. You look at Dallas, even. They're better rosters than New England. Tom Brady going to Dallas to be bigger than LeBron going to L.A. But it will be... Bad for the sport, I believe, because look at baseball. We're finally looking at the Houston Astros. We finally have a villain. The NBA had a villain for five years, named the Golden State Warriors. Now everybody didn't tune in. Why? Because of Kevin Durant. Everybody knew it was over. But those first two years when the Cavs and Warriors went head to head, everybody tuned in. It was, I believe, especially the 2016 finals was probably one of the most rated, highest finals ever. Why? Because nobody liked Seth Curry, nobody liked Draymond Green, and everybody wanted to see LeBron win a championship for his hometown. It's storylines. So imagine the storyline if New England, one of your best teams over the last 20 years, whether you hate them or love them, they go away. Now, is Kansas City going to be the new dynasty? Maybe they're, they're fun, but you know... When they pay Patrick Mahomes, how, how much is that going to last? That's the question to me. Is it going to last? Now, you know, there there's a lot of good teams in the NFL. There, there's a lot of good teams. And there's certainly more competition in the AFC East. And, you know, we all know this. Michael Jordan didn't finish with the Chicago Bulls. Kobe Bryant, Dirk Nowitzki, these athletes that stay with one team, they're really lucky. Majority of athletes... Don't stay with one team their whole career. And we all know Brady and Belichick are headed for a coalition course. And I talked about this a little bit, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I mentioned Cincinnati. And I said, you know, if, if you're going to draft Joe Burrow, he's getting killed because they have no offensive line. Well, New England and Brady have no offensive line either. So, but the question's going to be, does Brady really want to leave New England? Does he want to give up all that he has? Does he want to give up all that structure? I don't believe so. But here's an interesting note. ESPN reporter Jeff Darlington, who's really good and close to the Patriots. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. I actually wasn't aware of this until I heard it on TV the other day. He made a bet with ESPN's Dan Levitard. The bet was... If Tom Brady stays in New England, Dan Levitard can tase Jeff Darlington. Now, I would not want to get tased, personally, and my wife. I mean, that sounds like that would hurt like a you-know-what. So, what's that telling me? And, by the way, former players have came on and said, Tom's not coming back. So, for 20 years, folks, 20 years... And I'm one of those people that said, it. there's no way Brady's leaving New England. He can't leave. Folks, we see it in wrestling all the time. We think there's no way the Fiend can lose to Goldberg, that he loses. We see it all the time in sports. We think there's no way the Warriors can blow a 3-1 lead to the Cavs. They did. We said there's no way the Yankees can blow a 3-0 lead to the Red Sox in the 2004 ALCS. They did. We say no way all the time. There's always a chance. Didn't we say there's no way LeBron's going to leave Cleveland twice? Boom, four years later, he's out the door. And his Lakers are the number one team in the Western Conference, and the Cavs are still in the basement again. It's a nice time for me to take another shot at the Cavs. Folks, I'm going to be sad as a football fan because I love watching New England, and, you know, it's going to be interesting because I think Belichick and Brady need each other. I've been hearing rumors at Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee is that great of a roster. I get it because they have a lot of former Patriots and also Vrabel as well. But I I don't really see what Tennessee... I think the interesting thing would be Brady to San Francisco or Dallas. And if Belichick is as good of a coach as we think he is, if they meet in the Super Bowl, ooh, holy God, is that going to be a storyline. All right, so coming up next, I have with me Michael Reiner and... and Ben Bagaddi, excuse me, in the studio. We're gonna be talking all things wrestling. Plus, at the top of the hour, we got as the Mike Owos as we're land out talking Brady, Browns, Tribe, and more. We'll see you when I get back here. I'm Brent Ward. Listeners, while you're on our website listening to all our fantastic programming, check out these awesome articles produced by the BSR web staff. BSR web staff best albums album review this is called survival and Alm review dreamland by coin enjoy multi multidimensional by reading and listening at the same time all right folks i am michael reiner and and bugatti with me in studio fellas how are we fantastic uh it's really ironic
1: that it's cold in here because we're about to create some serious heat talking about some wrestling it's the best time of the year and we're excited right ben
2: I'm ready to get sports entertained on Black Squirrel Radio.
0: Of course, Ben making his debut here on the show, so so welcome, Ben, and hope that we get to see you around a lot more here. But folks, let's get into it. So, as I said, as you guys know, uh, in the group chat on Thursday after the show, I was fired up, okay? I was absolutely livid. But then I watched SmackDown on Friday. And I let the storyline kind of play out a little bit, and I was like, you know what? I see where they're going. Would it be the angle I would go, no. But what are you guys' thoughts on our new Universal Champion, Goldberg? Uh, ben, do you want to go first?
2: Go- Goldberg was good to go, hmm, what is it, 2020. 15 years ago, if Goldberg was the Universal Champion, I would have been okay with it. In 2020, when The Fiend... Was on one of the best heel runs in recent memory to be destroyed by a part timer who's setting up for Roman Reigns, a man I don't have strong opinions about, at WrestleMania. He's going to put Reigns over at WrestleMania at the cost of the Fiend's character. I couldn't hate it anymore.
1: Well, guys, I think I would have to disagree because of two specific reasons. A lot of people in their complaints online, they said it has nothing to do with the storyline. What does that mean? How does Goldberg come into play here? It does nothing. Well, listen up. It definitely does everything. And the reason for that is because if you kept up with the Bray Wyatt storyline for the past six months or so, every single person he feuded with, they went through a character change. Seth Rollins turned heel. Then it went to The Miz turned heel. Daniel Bryan turned babyface. You know, through that whole feud, everybody went through a character change, guys. And listen up. With Bill Goldberg, you know, just like in Algebra 1, 1 divided by 1 is 1. A divided by A is A. And Bill Goldberg divided by Bill Goldberg is Bill Goldberg. Bill Goldberg is a babyface. He's the ultimate warrior of this generation, and if you have the opportunity to give him the world championship and have him feud with Roman Reigns as the last match of your show, I think that you do it. And another thing is, The Undertaker, a guy who's a supernatural character, it took him 20 years to main event WrestleMania consistently. We're only in the first 12 months of Bray Wyatt. This isn't, this isn't dominated. Everything all had to come around to John Cena at this show, and I think it doesn't have to be for the title, but I just want to hear your thoughts.
0: Okay, so, Mike, uh, first of all, I don't think that Goldberg and Reigns are going to main event the show. I still believe that Drew Lesnar is going to main event WrestleMania, and I think the reason for that, and I think me and you have kind of talked about this before, I have always believed that no matter what, the Royal Rumble winners should main event WrestleMania. That's what it's advertised as. The Royal Rumble winner gets the main event shot at WrestleMania. And I think the way they've been building this, because if you think about it, this WrestleMania is going to be a long night, right? Is it Goldberg and Roman Reigns, it's, to me, it's almost going to be a Wesner and Roman situation from a couple years ago. Where by midnight, the crowd's going to be bored and that match may not last long. It may only be a five-minute match where I think McIntyre and Lesnar could put on a good match because I think McIntyre is one of those guys that Lesnar wants to work with.
2: Lesnar against Drew McIntyre reminds me of a very similar situation. I think about the first time um, Brock Lesnar fought somebody who is a very athletic person. First time he wrestled someone very athletic. Seth Rollins versus Cena versus Lesnar at the Royal Rumble in, I believe, 2015 or 2016. 2015. And I feel like Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre are two very similar uh, types of wrestlers. Now, Drew McIntyre is a bigger guy overall, but Lesnar and Rollins always put on some pretty solid matches. I think Drew McIntyre is a better wrestler than Seth Rollins is. I think Seth Rollins also has the character arc that Drew McIntyre hasn't completely got. But I think when it comes to terms of a wrestling match, they have the Royal Rumble to build off. They don't need him to have a huge character. They have... Well, Drew McIntyre won the Royal Rumble. What else does he need to do? Now he's up against Lesnar. I'm excited for that to be a big event, but I don't think it'll be the main event because I know how this company works. Think about other people who have won the Royal Rumble. Did they go on to main event WrestleMania? When Sheamus won the Royal Rumble in 2012, I believe, right? Him and Daniel Bryan was the first match of the card. I'm just saying, they don't have to put them as the main event. They say it. But we know the reality of it.
0: But I, I I, think the difference is, real quick, and 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 then I'll let you jump in, Mike. The difference with that is, Rock and Cena was clearly bigger than Daniel Bryan Seamus. I agree. I, I don't think Roman Reigns and Goldberg is that much bigger than McIntyre and Lesnar.
2: I agree. I agree. Bill Goldberg, you said he was the ultimate warrior, Mike. You said he was the ultimate warrior of this generation. Bill Goldberg was the Bill Goldberg of the Ruthless Aggression era. <laughs> Not whatever you want to call this today, all right? It's just not. The network era, whatever people have been calling it, whatever.
1: I like your arguments here, um, and I like Drew McIntyre's build here. I just think, you know, this is an agreement with Fox. This is an agreement with national networks here, and whether we like it or not, it's not Drew McIntyre. It's not Bray Wyatt. They don't bring the casual fan in around WrestleMania season. This is the big time, and you need to bring in a legend, a Hall of Famer like Bill Goldberg, and you need to make that the main event of the show. It would work because it is a short match. A lot of the time we have complaints of, you know, that match was too long and everybody was so exhausted at the end of the show. I think that at the end of the day, it's going to get heat because people don't understand the ramifications of what happened. Um, And at the end of the day... You know, that's a bigger match. Goldberg and Roman Reigns is a bigger match. They decided to not put it on Super Showdown because of it, and I think that was the whole plan all along. And, yeah, but, I mean, as far as Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar goes, I'm excited for this match, but what I'm excited for is what they do after. If they decide to put the belt on Drew, who are they going to make his opponents? I'm really excited for this buildup and what happens after, guys.
2: Real quick, who do you think it is?
1: Who do you who do you who do I think is going to win on
2: McIntyre if McIntyre wins who's there for McIntyre
1: who's there for McIntyre to face well that's a that's a tough one I, I definitely don't want to see Baron Corbin again Um, that would be that would be awful I mean that was really what broke down Seth Rollins whole trajectory was that. Um, maybe, you know, somebody like Buddy Murphy or somebody like Seth Rollins. I mean, I think Seth Rollins has to be first, but wouldn't it be a cue if they put Murphy in there or if they put Kevin Owens in there? I think it would be cool to see Kevin Owens maybe turn back heel because, uh, I think that the Kevin Owens baby face turn only has so much legs. I think you've got to c- clearly develop faces and heels for Raw to make the summer interesting. So
0: let me ask you guys, cause I was thinking about this. What about AJ Styles? Because there's there's not, you, you know, after AJ faces Taker at WrestleMania, which I'm expecting Taker to win that match, there's not a lot. Of, AJ can look strong in that match and still lose and still move on to the WWE championship. Because right now, there's not a lot of big contenders on Raw and there's not a lot more that I think AJ could do. I think Rollins and Murphy and AOP They're all still kind of stuck in this storyline. Will it end at WrestleMania? Probably, but they're still stuck in this faction where AJ, even though he's with the OC, he has really nothing to do right now. It's why he's facing The Undertaker at WrestleMania. So why not? I don't believe we've ever seen AJ and McIntyre in WWE. Why not do it? Why not that be your your money in the bank WWE Championship match?
1: I totally agree there, but another thing I just thought of, McIntyre's old tag team partner, Dolph Ziggler, that kind of blew up at last year's Rumble, and nobody ever really discussed it. It was a steel cage match, and then it was a Royal Rumble finish, and nobody ever discussed it. I like that idea about AJ Styles at Money in the Bank, but then you've got to have Ziggler in there as a buffer, because I think that would be a lot of fun. What do you think, Ben?
2: Go on, Ben. I I think Ziggler will always bring a great talent. I think the crowds always love Dolph Ziggler, but do you want to throw him in a main event all of a sudden, I mean, I don't know. I think you have to go a different character arc with him than what we're used to. And I think there's nothing better than a heel Dolph Ziggler as a champion. Um, I get that Baron Corbin, or I'm sorry, Drew McIntyre, is. if he gets the title, I'm expecting he is. I think everybody is at this point. I don't think it's going to be that short of a run. You know, usually face champions have the shorter runs. But I think they kind of let him go for a little bit because this is his first world title run. Dolph Ziggler's had one in the past styles had a really long one in the past for a face um and so i think he just kind of keeps going for a little bit i say he holds on to it at least till SummerSlam before we jump into um maybe Dolph Ziggler coming in at that point i don't think it's going to be an immediate overturn
0: see now i am in the minority right now i actually think wesner is going to retain i don't think they put the title on mcintyre yet and i thought about it it's because this as monday on raw mcintyre looked really really strong We have never seen a guy jump Lesnar like that early on in their feud. It's always Lesnar attacking first. Now McIntyre has attacked first. And so usually, and this is the pattern that I've noticed, it's not always true. But what I find is usually the guy that hits first actually loses the match. And I think that, you know, we talked about it. There's not a lot of heels on Raw. You can make a case for maybe Randy Orton and McIntyre. Obviously, Randy's on a roll right now. But I think Wesner could face, you know, a guy like Kevin Owens. If you want to keep the Kevin Owens face thing going, you could have him face Brock Wesner. We also need to figure out, are they going to do a super a superstar shakeup? Are they going to do another draft right after WrestleMania? Because we just had one in October. So right now I'm looking at it as just the guys on Raw and I think to be honest, McIntyre's really good, but McIntyre can still take the title away, maybe at SummerSlam or somewhere else. He doesn't I I don't think necessarily McIntyre has to win the title here.
1: i'm with you here brandon honestly i'm not really concerned with what happens uh, at wrestlemania i'm worried about what happens in the months that follows and i like your idea about brock lesnar and kevin owens people have been talking about that for five years i'd like to see it
2: i think i think they need to stay away from a superstar shakeup because at this point it's kind of ludicrous to keep doing them every half year or so i think Um, When it comes to WrestleMania, I think McIntyre does walk away. I think he's champion until at least SummerSlam. But at the same exact time, Raw needs to make somebody heal. And I don't know if that happens the night after Mania. Maybe something happens at Mania. Who knows what's going to happen. I think the uh, rated RKO match that we're going to get, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. But after that's over, Edge is going to go in one direction and Orton's going to go in another. So maybe Orton's ready to turn around directly after Mania and go at Money in the Bank.
0: Could you see a heel Randy Orton winning Money in the Bank? What, like, the the role that Randy Orton's on right now, because the first time he won it, he didn't really have a, a long cash in. It, it was more of a face thing, and then he turned heel when he cashed on Daniel. I think a heel Randy Orton with the briefcase would be so much fun, and let him just milk it because he's he's such a great teaser. He would do so well in that role, teasing both Wesner, who, by the way, he he has a history with. And we know Randy Orton doesn't like heels or faces, so that could work even if he is a heel. And McIntyre, who, as we saw before Randy Orton turned heel, it looked like Randy Orton and McIntyre had some tension.
2: Would Would you like to see Edge in another Money in the Bank ladder match if he's good to go? Oh, and so, those two so, be the last two coming in. So you know me.
0: End? You know I am the biggest Edge head in the of world. Of course. Um, For Edge's safety, no.
2: Okay. I,
0: I, I kind of thought the same thing. I I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. And I'm like, can we not risk this man's neck, please? Right. There's there's no reason for him to be in a ladder match ever again in my opinion.
1: Well, I think it would be cool if you play around with the spots a little bit. If you have him go up at the top of the ladder and then you have a soft ending where he hits the rope, you know, and then you would end up, uh, putting somebody else over. In that case, it might be Randy Orton. That would be a heck of a match. Way better than last year's money in the bank match, if you guys remember.
0: <laughs> or, or he just turns heel and runs up the ladder almost like how, how Wesner did last year. He just comes in at the end and wins the briefcase. I don't know if an old Edge could be a heel.
1: I don't know if that could work unless it's with the right guy. He's
0: still got the character, though. He's still got that meanness in him. I think it could work.
2: He's got the character, but I think at this point right now, the fans want to enjoy having Edge back, and I think they want to enjoy having Edge to root for. If he's a heel, who knows who they put him up against? Um if it's going to be a great match if he can perform to a great match we'll find out at WrestleMania and i think he looked good at the royal rumble for you know not being in a ring for well, oh five he looked plus great years. for not exactly. being in a ring for nine exactly exactly but we're saying okay money in the bank they can work him in spots the fans are going to love seeing edge in a ladder match people will buy it who haven't watched in a long time because they hear oh edge who i used to love watching in ladder matches as a kid i can swing 999 for 1 month of watching edge again and they're not going to make him do anything ludicrous. They're going to work with the spots, and it's going to look like he's doing something crazy, but it's not going to do anything crazy at all. They have good enough writers to do something like that.
1: I I totally agree. And also with the different feuds, I'm excited to see where Edge goes after this. You have so many different opponents that you could pair him up with in the coming months. You could have Kevin Owens, a Canada-born guy, going up against his idol and Edge. You know, you could have Adam Cole and him feud once Adam Cole gets up to the main roster. There's so many possibilities. I don't know. We we have more time to talk about this leading up to WrestleMania, but I think there's more matches in Edge. The guy signed a three-year deal. There's so many young guys that were on the roster that weren't there eight, nine years ago, and this is the time to pull the trigger on those matches.
0: So speaking of writing and booking, you two are big fans of All Elite Wrestling and NXT. I particularly do not like that style of wrestling. I know you guys think I'm crazy. So what, what is it that draws you guys to the AEW NXT style versus the main roster style that most fans, I guess, enjoy?
2: It's something new. It's something so new. And that's why the main card, you know, your typical Ron Smackdown every single week has just gotten so boring and drawn out is because it's the same characters looping back around every single year and it seems like either Rollins or Reigns is in the main event for the last what? Six years now? At least it's not as repetitive as Cena being in there. Seriously. But what else is underneath him? You're starting to develop Ricochet. It took you finally, you know, this long to get to Drew McIntyre. You had to completely redevelop Bray Wyatt and that got exciting, but you had like a seven-year stale period with him, okay? It's kind of the same thing. Routinely, whether or not Kevin Owens is a face or a heel, whether or not The Miz is a face or a heel, whether or not anybody cares what else is going on, whether or not Baron Corbin still sucks but he's a great heel because everybody hates him and is what it should be, it's still boring. It's like stale bread that's been left in Mike's pantry for six months in between every single AEW pay-per-view that we like to watch. AEW's wrestlers that I have always enjoyed watching finally in a U.S. market that I don't have to you know, get a veep and watch in my room on my laptop – I can finally just turn on TNT, and I'm ready to watch Kenny Omega and Adam Page. Adam Page is my favorite wrestler in the whole world. And then NXT, sure, it's still under Vince McMahon's big brand, especially now that he's in charge. But at the same time, you get to see these different characters that you would never, ever see succeed on a main roster. Okay? Velveteen Dream is so much fun. We've been talking about him for a year. This guy dresses up like Prince, and he's one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen. That doesn't succeed on the main card. Think about people like Adam Rose, okay? Adam Rose was so much fun to watch. He finally gets up. Nobody could stand him. Sami Zayn. Everybody was so excited for him. Him and Cesaro put on the best matches I had ever seen in NXT. They both got up, and like it just kind of fell flat. Tyler Breeze. Who didn't love Tyler Breeze, all right? He was the biggest jerk in the world. He walked around with a selfie stick. He got up to the main roster, and the casual fan said, I don't get it. And then he just kind of died. He was a good wrestler. He was a good character but the main card is where these underused uh, talents go to die.
1: I I don't know. I think that's a little bit extreme, Ben, but I totally agree with Ben's in-ring portion of it. But as far as Wednesday nights and Wednesday in general for me, Wednesday as a fan is when I feel inspired, gentlemen. And it's not just because of what happens From 8 to 10 on USA Network and TNT. It's about what happens throughout the day. It's about the spirit of competition. You have WWE After the Bell competing with AEW's new podcast. They both drop on Thursday. And then you have all these different avenues for digital content on YouTube from both brands. On YouTube, you have all the things that the Elite are doing that prep up these shows. On NXT side, you have Triple H doing his Facebook lives after every takeover to give people recaps. I just think that's what adds to it. Combine that with tons of young talent infused with you know, 35, 40-year-old guys that you wouldn't even think would be 35 or 40-year-old guys on NXT and AEW. Who would have thought Kenny Omega is 36? Keith Lee is 35? These guys are talented at what they do in the digital platforms throughout the entire day, not just from 8 to 10, help them in all aspects of their characters and what they do on television.
2: I think I think my biggest draw to um, AEW especially is they are so unafraid to do anything that Vince McMahon is afraid to pull the card on, Af- afraid to pull the trigger. Whether or not it's Cody Rhodes jumping off the moonsault, whether or not you're having triple threat false count anywhere matches where you're seeing half your opponents get thumbtacks put in their mouth and then thrown up against a wall, okay? It's fun. It's hard to watch. But if you're a wrestling fan and you want to see something crazy happen that you've never seen before, AEW is not afraid to go there because they give the fans what they want. They have the wrestlers that the fans want to see. They have the characters the fans want to see. And it's just fun. And everybody believes in it because it's it's an alternative. That is the biggest thing. You know why people listen to alternative music? Because it's different than what's on the radio. It's what they want to hear. And it's not mainstream, but it's what they want. Right? Same goes for pro wrestling. Everybody can turn on Raw and SmackDown, but you're going to have the same story arcs forever, and it just loops around every single year. Okay, we know SummerSlam's in August, Survivor Series, Thanksgiving weekend. You have the Rumble in January. You have Mania in April and March. And then it's just back to the drawing board, and how's it going to loop around next year? Every single Wednesday on AEW, I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know what direction they're going to go in. They only have a few pay per views every single year, and it's always a great buildup.
1: And uh, oh, where go you going? Anyways, go but and it's all just about what's going to happen. I mean, we, we had the opportunity, Ben and I, to go to a Pittsburgh show uh, a few months back, and it was episode four, I think, of Dynamite, and it he was said
2: he said it was going to be the worst show yet. It, it was the best at that point.
1: It it was definitely the best at that point. Maybe the best of the fall season was that show. And it was unbelievable because we actually got to see the fight in the crowd happen between, uh, between the inner circle and uh, the Nightmare family. And it was awesome. And I think that the different avenues that they try to explore week after week after week really helps. I think that the fact that both shows are two hours really helps, and I think just the unpredictability of it. The competition provides that every match on that show is supposed to deliver, and it does on both shows.
0: Yeah, you know, I I understand both of your points. I think the difference really is you guys are hardcore wrestling fans, right? You guys can watch wrestling, what, seven days a week probably, 24 hours a day if you really wanted to. That's not me, okay. I I am a person that can only watch so much. You know, I can only watch one to two at max three days most of wrestling, and I just feel like that. You know, you watch Raw, you watch SmackDown, you watch NXT, you watch AEW, and I know I mentioned this. I don't watch Raw and SmackDown,
2: not often.
0: See, and that's thing. You guys don't, and I do. So I get exhausted. By the time Wednesday comes, because to me it's it's too much wrestling. I, I get that.
2: I get that. There was a point when when the network first started, okay, and I think main event was on Ion Television. Yeah. And they had so much stuff going on; it seemed exhausting. Rod just switched to three hours, yep. which is still crazy. I can't believe they're still doing it to this point. But if you're just watching the main roster, you have five hours worth of content every single week, and that's that's too much.
1: Well, I think the different avenues for other content present themselves. There's tons of promotions out there on YouTube, that kind of a thing. You've got the NWA. You've got MLW down there in Florida with Core Bauer. You have all these different promotions that now have the ability to move forward. And what's going to happen with WWE? They're going to create more talent, more programming to filter that out. And unfortunately, there's so many hours of wrestling that I think people get tired of it and people complain but but I think what people need to realize is that wrestling is a business you know Whether or not your favorite wrestler is going to be get over and go to the top and be the man. You know, there's no reason to find complaints and everything. If you just watch the shows and you understand what's going on from a performer's perspective. I've never seen so many people complain about The Undertaker beating AJ Styles with a chokeslam. Tell me about it, I know. But you've got to remember, like, Undertaker's wanted to work with AJ Styles.
0: Exactly, thank you. Can can we stop with this nonsense of, like... Of
1: just people complaining just for the sake of complaining. The Undertaker is, the, by and large, probably the greatest of all time as far as longevity and characters and suspense. I get goosebumps just watching him go to the
0: ring. Exactly. Can we just stop with this nonsense of people complaining about every little thing? It's like, oh, one guy woos is like Ricochet Wooster to Brock Lesnar. He's very... Like, can we just let storylines play out? Can we just stop complaining about everything? Clearly, they have a plan, even with Goldberg and The Fiend. We may not like it. They have you as a plan. We all have plans. We may not like, it at the end of the day, what the plan is. But, even when we talk about the great, you know, Aaron, Debbie, the ruthless aggression era, the attitude era, some of those storylines back then were terrible.
1: And some of these things some of the guys are thriving today. You think about a guy like Randy Orton and what he did on Monday. The stuff he's doing right now with Edge is the best heel work I've ever seen of Randy Orton. I agree. I
2: I don't know, Ben. I
1: don't know, Ben, if you've gotten to see it, but I think it is.
2: I I I have looked at the like little raw clips online and I've enjoyed it. The whole Beth Phoenix thing the other day. That's dynamite. I love that stuff.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and just but uh Really, with Randy Orton, he's always had that in them, even in him, even with those facials and all those great things. What do you think about Edge and Randy Orton? I mean, if you were
0: booking this, how would you do it, Brandon? So if I'm booking it, Edge obviously goes over. I I've seen some people speculate and some people said this match should be the main event of WrestleMania. I have legit seen some people say that.
2: If it was, I'd be happy. I wouldn't be opposed to it. But I'm saying if it's not, it's also not. Like, oh, well. But if they right. do it,
0: I'd be like, oh, right. that's kind of cool. So if I'm booking it to me, Edge wins because you can't have his first singles match back, have him lose. Now, they have done crazy things in the past. They, like, 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 an, was like announced
2: Batista the week before the Royal Rumble instead of just having him come out as a surprise entrance in yes. the Royal Rumble and turning him heel. Sorry.
0: It is it is not out of the question that Randy Orton could win. We, we need to stop with this notion that 100% this guy's going to win because it's just not true anymore. They they like to swerve us, and I think me and Mike have talked about this before. It feels like at least on every pay per view, including WrestleMania, there's always that one match. I think last year was the the Kurt Angle Corbin match. Everybody was like, "Oh, Kurt Angle gonna win." Corbin won. There's always that one match that could get swerved. This year it could be Randy. I think there's there's a lot of options this year that I'm I I'm really looking forward to. You know, I I stopped doing this thing where like if I if I'm booking, this is what. I would do for the most part. Now the major storylines, like again, the Fiend, I have my opinions on it, but I get the direction they're going. But you know, I'm I'm just sitting there and, like I said, you know, I I watch Frio's Raw to SmackDown every week. I'm fine with it, and I'm just enjoying it. And to me, it's it's been, you know, there there are improvements that that need to be made. I'm not sitting here saying. This is the greatest thing ever. But what I am saying is, if you've actually taken the time to watch Raw and SmackDown over the last couple of months, I have seen vast improvement from what it was just a year ago when we were sitting in this seat.
1: Well, I mean, it's also WrestleMania season. You have to put that in perspective as well. But, I mean, I think as far as integrating Legends in there, they've really done a great job. I'm more excited about this year's build than I was last year.
0: All right, guys. So I do want to ask you guys one last question. It is not a wrestling question. So you guys are obviously Steelers fans.
2: I, I yes, okay, with a whole with a whole heart. I would never imagine being anything else.
1: Right. I mean, yins are Nation, Sandwich sandwiches, all in that.
0: So y- you know, when when you guys hear the talk about Brady leaving New England, obviously the Patriots have been your guys' biggest obstacle on your way to the Super Bowl. When you guys hear that, your thoughts are, yay, he's gone, we might have a chance, or like, what are your thoughts when when you think of Brady waving New England?
2: Brady is leaving at a point where the Steelers are not guaranteed an AFC North once every at least three years now. We don't know what's going to happen when Big Ben comes back. I think it'll be fine. Um, I'm curious to see how Juju plays, but I think the Ravens are the lock for the next two or three years in the AFC North. And that means the Steelers have a tougher hill to climb, which means do they even get to the point where they have to worry about the Patriots anymore? I don't think so. I personally think uh, Brady is going to Vegas. I think he's going to go there. Who knows what happens? I know a lot of people are saying maybe he's going to go to the Niners and get Jimmy G in, which is starting to get serious talk, which is the biggest Bill Belichick move ever that he sent Garoppolo off, got him Super Bowl, uh, you know, Jesus, oh man! Experience—that's experience, the word. I, I never
0: even thought about that, Ben. You're completely right. It's—it's it, it's almost like the evil it's, empire. It's a WWE heel turn. It is absolutely. We're just like yo. I, I'm gonna send you to this place. It's. It's like when the NBA team does at the trade deadline when they want somebody exactly back. they go, we're going to send you here for half a year so we can compete for a championship.
2: <laughs> this is like the plot of the movie Draft Day when they trade everybody away yep. and then that's how yep. they get it at the end. Yep. I think I think Brady is gone. I don't think he's going back to New England, but I don't think the Steelers are ever going to have to worry about facing them because I just don't think you know they're at the end of Big Ben's career. He's got two more years. I don't think they get back to the AFC Championship. Who knows if they even make the playoffs. I don't even think they have a run at winning the AFC North. I think they'll be consistent, maybe get a wild card in one of these last two years. I don't think they'll ever have to worry about the Patriots in this era.
0: So, Mike, from a Steelers perspective, go ahead.
1: Well, I think that at the end of the day, you've got to look at it as, how good can this young defense get for the Pittsburgh Steelers? You have Minka Fitzpatrick, you have Devin Bush. Those two guys were acquired with the trade from Antonio Brown. And Antonio Brown has done nothing since that trade. I personally believe that the Steelers can stop Lamar Jackson because. Typically, when you have that great rookie year, you go through a slump. and maybe Lamar Jackson could go through that slump. As far as what competition the Steelers will have to face, I think that it's not gonna matter that Tom Brady is in the twilight of his career because we have another amazing quarterback named Patrick Mahomes who's gonna fit right into that uh, right into that position. But over to Brady, I think that if he's going, I think he's gonna go the Tennessee Titans. When he has the ability to go to a teammate's team, as his coach, and be there with a top defense, one of the best running backs in the game, you know, and possibly recruit more free agents to come play with him. I think as far as a team, the best team option might be Tennessee. Um, Obviously, the 49ers are in that conversation, but a lot would have to be done for that to happen. I think it's interesting. We're going to see how it plays out, and all I know is I'm glad that we don't have to see Brady anymore because...
0: See, that's the answer I've been looking for. Are you guys glad you're not going to see Friday? Oh, yes, sir.
1: Game recognizes game. but But all we know is Jesse James caught the ball in the
2: end zone. I know that Jesse James caught that ball. That, that's, that's factual. I'll never
0: forget it. That's by, factual. By rule, it was an incomplete pass. Yeah, but then, was... then the same exact play happened in the Super Bowl, and the Eagles got the touchdown. No, because he was a runner, and he was already across the goal line. James was not a runner in that play. He was not a runner. He was stationary. Ertz was a runner. It's different rules, fellas. Oh, no. It's not I...
2: anymore, it's not. And that rule was made because of that situation.
0: Yes, I just want to point out that the NFL realized I, that
2: they I were agree. wrong because of that Single play. They never here's said... What I, here's what I care about. Here's what I care about. Um, Tom Brady's last play ever in New England was a pick, pick six, it. and I watched it, <laughs> and I was happy, and there is a song by the band Parquet Courts called Total Football, and the last lyric to that song, I can't say on TV or on the radio. But it, You're so ex- used to saying TV. It's expletive, okay. Tom Brady. And that oh is how God. I have always felt... As a Pittsburgh Steelers
1: fan.
0: All right, sounds good. Hey, guys, do you guys have any social media and stuff that you guys want to shout out real quick?
1: At TV2Mike on Twitter, and also follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, my one step at a time columns have been really well. and Yes, things... I,
0: I have been reading them. They've been terrific, so shout out to you, Mike.
1: And things are going to really heat up with the next couple weeks. A lot of personal stories that really define my life, and it's going to be an awesome time telling them.
2: Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Pagani TV. B E N P A G A N I TV. I know you won't, but if you decide to, tell me you heard me on Brandon's World. I'll uh, feel good about that, and I think Brandon will maybe want to have me back on. I had a lot of fun today. Um, you can always tune in to Matt College Basketball on ESPN Plus. I'll be calling the Kent State game tonight. It's going to be a huge one. We really hope you turn tune in. I look forward to being back here,
0: though, Brandon. Thanks for having me on. Sounds good. I I, I appreciate it. Thank you, fellas. All right. Enzo, Thanks, Brandon. Enzo, Enzo Orlando coming up next time of Hour 2 right here on Brands World. All right, guys. So we are back here at the of Hour 2 here on Brands World on this Wednesday. It's 47 degrees outside. Nice day out here in Kent, Ohio. And I have Enzo Orlando with me here in the studio. Enzo, how are you, my man?
3: Uh, been a busy day for me, Brandon. But it's you no know, nice to be in the studio uh, during a time I'm not usually in it. So, uh, remember listen to past Mike Sport Talk uh, every Friday noon to two on here on com. Uh, yeah, the weather is a little bit nice. Just we have some rain coming in right now. It Was raining on my way here.
0: Uh, that's unfortunate. Well, you know, we had some rain, so to speak, uh, in Cleveland over the weekend when the Browns made some headline noise. And they practically released Joe Schobert. My takeaway is, who cares? You can get an, another linebacker. I know some people are like, oh, Joe Schobert's so good. I'm like, okay, you don't need linebackers. That is my philosophy. You don't need great linebackers to win in football. You need the great defensive line. You need average corners. I'm not upset Schobert's gone. He can go get $10 million somewhere else. To me, it's way too much to pay for a linebacker. Your thoughts, my oh, man?
3: Uh, my thoughts on this. Uh I really like Joe Schobert. I thought he was a pretty good linebacker. We had made it to the pro bowl when we went 0 and 16. So that's pretty impressive uh from him actually when the team was like really bad. Uh and then just, you know, releasing him, like you no know, him just, you know, not wanting to resign. I got to say uh I think it was like his decision more than like I think the Browns are they're okay at linebacker. We got Mac Wilson. We still have Kirksey with us. We also got Taki Taki. So, still got a couple guys. I mean, I wouldn't mind saying maybe get one in free agency or maybe late around the draft. I wouldn't use our first round pick on a linebacker. I would use it to get an O line because that's the biggest problem if, right if, now. If they
0: don't go O line in the first round, you have the right to lose your mind on air.
3: I, I've. Uh, I give
0: I give every single Cleveland Radio Host personality the right to lose their minds. Now the Browns can trade down. I wouldn't even mind if they trade down and get an offensive line because this offensive line draft is so deep. There's even been some talks about the Eagles moving up from twenty one to ten with the Browns trying to grab a receiver at the top of that to end. That could be something I might like to see. But yeah, if they don't get an offensive lineman you have the right to lose your mind. I mean, Baker Mayfield has no protection. No, he
3: had no protection last year. Uh, Greg Robinson was basically just a entrance door, pretty much, for the defense to just go to Baker and say that the rest of the offense line. the only one that probably worked out was uh, Betonio. Batonio, and, and Shredder would have been to a degree. A little bit to a degree. So getting rid of Zyder last year for Odell Beckham really, really hurt us.
0: Yeah, so Enzo, uh, you wrote an article a year ago. Explaining why Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. And here we are, a year later, and it looks like, and to me, unfortunately, and I talked about this earlier in the show, Tom Brady is looking like he's going to be leaving New England. Now, as I said, as a football fan... And I've seen Brady play against my team in two Super and I still don't like the fact he's, he's leaving New England. I think it's a mistake on both sides. I think Brady needs Belichick, and I think Belichick needs Brady. I just, I just I've And I know superstars don't often finish the teams that started with their career. We've seen it with Michael Jordan. We've seen it with other athletes. But I just think, man, can we ride this out one more year? Can we get the Patriots one more weapon? That's all they literally need is one more weapon, and they're right there with Kansas City.
3: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, Tom Brady and New England Patriots, they go together hand-in-hand, I gotta say. Uh, Seeing Tom Brady in a jersey that's not the new england patriots will be very hard for many football fans to see and i here's the thing no matter where he goes he's not gonna win their super bowl even if he resigns with new england i don't think new england will win another super bowl to be honest i see the if he leaves i see the bills being the better team in the afc east along with the patriots still being somewhat competitive because you still got bill belichick there and Tom Brady, I don't think this will really hurt his legacy that that much. This might be like when Jordan went to the Wizards in the early 2000s. That's pretty much how it would be. And just, I'll probably re, uh, rewrite the, the article, maybe just uh, an update on it and why he's still the go. I mean, there's no question. Just look at what he's done. Six Super Bowls, four MVPs, Comeback Play of the Year. What are the quarterbacks done it? None. I mean, people can still say Montana. I don't think Montana anymore. Montana's kind of an out of the goat conversation for the past couple of years. It's Tom Brady to be honest. And I think I said something on my show about the NBA goat discussion. I ended that, put it into a YouTube video, and if you want to get my uh, opinion on that, if you haven't heard it, I would. You no, know, I,
0: I have saw your your opinion, and I think your your argument on that is fair. My thing is, you look at what LeBron's doing right now. Obviously, Michael Jordan was a way better shooter than LeBron. But LeBron's overall game to me eclipses... Anybody in the history of basketball, what he's doing, he's averaging 10 assists at age 35 as a point forward, leading the number one seed at Lakers. And for people that forget, last year at this time, we were talking post-NBA trade deadline, the Lakers possibly trading LeBron. That's how much of a mess this team was. Now they're the number one seed, and they're right there to compete for a championship. That, to me, is GOAT. G-O-A-T, GOAT.
3: 100% agree with you there. I, the Lakers are back. I, I think I said it in like October. They're going to go win the championship. It was even before what happened. With now, Kobe now I don't I think.
0: think that they are going to win the championship, and I'll tell you why. I think when you get into a seven-game series with the Clippers, and as deep as the Clippers are, I think it's going to be tough for LeBron for seven games. I think that series will mm, go seven games. I think, yeah,
3: I, I agree it will go seven games. I
0: think it will be tough for him because they're going to throw Leonard. They're going to throw Paul George. And, I, and you know, Marcus Morris and Patrick we? And I don't trust Andy Davis. I never out-trust Andy Davis. Andy Davis is one of these quote-unquote superstars that doesn't have a superstar backbone. There is a difference between a eight plus talent like LeBron and an eight plus talent like AD, who doesn't know how to win, and that's where I worry with the Lakers because other than AD, I am sorry, I I have to admit this, I am out on Kyle Kuzma. I don't like Kyle Kuzma. I would have traded him at the deadline without LeBron or AD. They're unwashable. They can't score.
3: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the Lakers might not have depth, but then i got to remember, you have LeBron James on our team, and LeBron not being in the playoffs last year was very strange for many of us to watch because LeBron's been in the playoffs for like over 10 straight seasons. And again, you're, you're and joking he's on yourself. Mi- he's on a mission right now, and we all know LeBron can do a one-man show on a team without help. We've seen him do it with the Cavs multiple times. Yeah,
0: but again, by the time he got to the finals, he wore himself out, and I'm going to make this point too. You're joking yourself if you legitimately thought the Raptors deserved that championship watch the Raptors got the most lucky two most lucky breaks I've ever seen in the history of the playoffs the one was the Leonard shot he hit over Joel Embiid in game 7 True. and the second one was are you kidding me Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson both got hurt you really think that Toronto team deserved that championship no now did Golden State deserve it in 2015 no but they won it why because they were the more healthier team and I think down the stretch you know bench depth is going to matter and the Clippers have it more, and you know I, I'm not a if I if I'm a team of the East, I'm not afraid of Milwaukee either because I don't trust Giannis. Yeah, so this is gonna get real interesting. This is gonna be fun basketball down the stretch here, man.
3: I mean, I've been hearing things about the way the Clippers have been playing now that they might not even make it to the Western Conference Finals. I've seen predictions See, of them getting, but, but getting eliminated well, in the that that's what everybody semis. said
0: about the Cavs. What do they say about the Cavs for four years? Well, especially the yeah, last, last year with Yeah, with LeBron, I think the last year with LeBron when, they did. When they were the fourth seed, and everybody said they might not beat Indiana. It took us seven games, but we beat Indiana. Then we swept Toronto. And then that Boston series, I think we all forget how good Boston was that year. Uh, and,
3: without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. And
0: Jason Tatum, I, I said it last week. Jason Tatum, I'm sorry. My eye test to me, that guy is a superstar. I agree. Tatum that,
3: is definitely a superstar. He's a baller. He balls hard. i tell you that. So,
0: to me, Boston... And I, we talked about this a little bit. We said, you know, Boston, they don't have the pieces. I think we could admit we were both wrong on that. Because now, Tatum's a superstar. I was always wrong on that, I will say that. I think Boston has a legit chance to beat Milwaukee. I know it's OJ a couple of weeks ago I didn't think it was possible. I'm seeing Jason Tatum. Boston can beat Milwaukee. And they can beat him at six. It wouldn't even have to take seven. Because this is what you do. You build a wall around Giannis, who's not a great passer. Oh, Chris. Not a great
3: shooter. I don't think Giannis is a great shooter right. at
0: all. And, and, oh, Chris Middleton. Who gives a rip about Chris Middleton? He's not good. I This this narrative now in the NBA that these guys are making $28 million are good. Arnold Porter's making almost as much as Chris Middleton. Are you kidding me? No. No. Folks, the NBA market is ripped up, it's destroyed. The fact that Chris Middleton's making money, yeah, he's making money. Is he a great second option? No. At best, he's a third option, and that's what's going to bring Milwaukee down.
3: Yeah, I, I really never had faith in Milwaukee. I mean, I, they're always been known as a good regular season team and never really fully performed in the playoffs. Usually get eliminated in the semifinals or the Eastern Conference finals like they did last year. I remember last year, Celtics went up 2-0. Uh, against Milwaukee. And then Paul Pierce said on uh, NBA Counter, I was like, you know what? The Celtics got this series. They're going to sweep them. Milwaukee ended up coming back and it. But that could happen again. It could not. Boston may be able to win it. I would love to see a Lakers Celtics uh, finals because, you know, those have always been classics. The last time they met was in 2010. Lakers ended up winning that one. So good rivalry. And I. I've just been pulling for the Lakers. I've been paying attention more to the Lakers than the Cavs, because just don't get me started with the Cavs. I know getting J.B. Biggerstaff has been a big help, but this team's really going nowhere this season. They're already focused on the drafts. They they don't even care how they end, because th- that, that organization is something else, And along with all the other clubs. I agree. Ones.
0: All right, so let's switch to the team that you are wearing on your sweatshirt. So I believe that the Indians are the best well-run team in Cleveland. And people... <laughs> People can give stuff to Dolan all, all they want. They can say he's cheap and all that. But here's my thing. And the, the Indians are a good team. Now, they have to say, oh, the, obviously, the Class A injury is going to hurt. They're going to need to bolster up that bullpen. But this Indians team, they're not a bad team. And this notion that, oh, we need to pay for Francisco Indoor now because the Milwaukee Brewers just paid so yeah. All that they money they paid
3: two hundred million dollars for Christian Yelich and Brewers in the same market as Cleveland. But again, it questions l- us.
0: But again, Lindor is going to be at least three hundred around that. And if you're going to pay Lindor that money, you're going to have to make sacrifices elsewhere. And baseball is not a superstar sport. And you really want to be stuck three years from now? What well, say they paid Lindor today? Three years from now, I guarantee you the Indians will be in last place in the American League Central. I almost guarantee it. Because you're going to get stuck. Look at the Tigers and look at the Royals. They paid all that money for for Miguel Cabrera and all those superstars. Where are they at now? In the basement. Three years ago, remember, 2016, the Tigers were right there with the Indians for the AL Central. Now, they might be the worst team in baseball. Why? Because they paid a fat contract to everybody that doesn't deserve it. Nobody deserves a fat contract. Except for maybe Mike Trout, who's the best player in baseball.
3: Agree, but I think the reason why, I mean, the Dolans, I wouldn't say like they're the best owners uh, in baseball, I, but I would say they're the best in Cleveland. But it's really not saying much if you're competing with Dan Gilbert and Jimmy Haslam. Gilbert, yes, helped out in 2016 when the Cavs made, were on that championship run and all the other times with LeBron when it came to paying players. Jimmy Haslam, who knows what he's been doing. He's been having this team for eight years, and it's been a clown show like it has been for the past twenty. So who knows what Haslam's doing? Who knows what the Browns are doing? But I think what the Dolans are with them being cheap, it just bugs the fans that you're not going to keep probably a player who actually wants to stay here too his whole career. He doesn't want to be like oh I'm going to leave like a couple others. But he also to said
0: I'm not taking a discount.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's no way he's a superstar. So, well, he's like the, well probably like the next Derek Jeter. I have to so say.
0: there is somewhat of a Dak Prescott element here if you think about it because the Cowboys want him to take a discount. They want him to stay, and in baseball, we don't have a franchise tag. If there was a franchise tag in baseball, Windor would be getting in two years. He's not getting it, and if you let him go on the open market, he's
3: going to go to a big market team. It's more than likely New York, Boston, L.A., or any of those big so, cities.
0: So, again, as much as we love Wendor and as much as a lot of fans don't like the enjoy him comment by Dolan, I'm sorry, folks, enjoy him because he's right. In two years, Francisco Windor is walking out that door. And I'm not going to be mad about it because this is the reality we're in with baseball. The Indians have a solid team. And you know what? When Lindor leaves, they do have a lot of prospects, a lot of shortstop prospects that could be up and coming. They're not going to be as good as Lindor because nobody can replace him. But the Indians, to me, won't fall off the map as much as they would if they had because that's what it would be.
3: I mean, literally I think it, whenever Lindor or Jose Ramirez leaves it just means that we kind of wasted a time where we had a chance to win a World Series. We were so close in 2016, 2017 every Indians fan thought we had Boston in the bag. I believed it too and 2017 then, was the year. I think We it thought it was the year because t- t- we looked at the Royals did. They yep. lost in 2014 in game yep. 7 to the Giants and then came back in twenty fifteen and won it. And we thought the Indians were gonna do the same thing. So
0: the twenty sixteen year was was the good team that that went on that ride. Twenty seventeen was actually a better team than twenty sixteen. Yeah, I agree. We just ran into that, that Yankee wall, we, man.
3: It was just Corey Kluber wasn't pitching his best. Yep. Uh he was actually kinda of hurt actually, we found out later, which it wasn't good news. Didn't didn't know why, uh in that game five, in the yep. elimination game and that they, Francona went with Kluber instead of Bauer, because Bauer pitched well, great that game so one, Bauer I Bauer pitched game four, remember? You know maybe I, maybe I Bauer forgot. pitched
0: game four. So, but, okay, so the point on this year's team, I think the Indians should be the favorite to win the AL Central. Will they? I'm not sure. But I do like their pitching more than Minnesota and Chicago. And I do like their lineup. At least to the point where their pitching can balance it out. They might need to add a bat here or there. But for the start of the year, when you look at this Indians team to start the year, they're in a lot better shape than they were last they year. They were.
3: Last year, it was a very slow start in the month of April. Very slow start. Coming up this year, I I feel good about them more than I did last year. It's just last year we just ran into so many injuries, and that's why we were that, unable and then to we win we ran out of gas division. at
0: the end because, because we used all of our young guys. And I'll give the outfield as, as an example. Oh, we didn't pay Yasiel Puig. Yes, but we still have Reyes. You you have uh
3: Luplo. We we, we got signed Naquin. Domingo Santana. Back?
0: You got Domingo Santana, you got the, the Shields. Shields, you got Greg Allen, you got Bradley Zimmer will be in that mix. There's a lot of young talent in the outfield. And you can platoon Reyes or you know, Jake Bowers. I always forget about Jake Bowers. Jake Bowers is still there. And then people are somewhat mad about the Clover trade. Yeah, you still have Zavali, Clevenger, Carrasco, Bieber, Please, Zach, Putko. Like, even though we made these trades and didn't sign these guys, the Indians have a lot of talent. And it's just going to be about Terry Francona, who I still believe is the best manager in baseball. Can't he put this together? And I think the Indians have a real shot to at least compete this year.
3: I think they compete. I think the Twins will, and the Indians will be fighting for the top of the AL Central the whole entire season because the Twins made some big moves, like getting J- Josh Donaldson, which is a big game-changer for us. So the Twins are going to have a really competitive offense to go against if you're pitching against them. But I think we can win the Central and take it back. Uh, when it comes to playoff time, we all know New York is going to be tough. Who knows who's going to come out of the West? So to a lot me, of people don't. I don't think the Astros are going to come so, out.
0: So to me, the Yankees are the only obstacle because this is what I'm, I'm anticipating. Houston, Boston will not make the playoffs. There's two teams out of the way. Yeah, I agree. So,
3: Houston out, Boston. They're going to go through a rebuild, So you
0: got the Angels, the Rays, the A's, the Indians, the Twins, the White Sox. They're really all in the same boat. The Indians are right there. To me, the only team the Indians are clearly not better than is the Yankees. And that's because the Yankees are just unfair. But the Yankees have also dealt with injuries. And as much as we think of the Yankees, they haven't won the World Series since since 2009. So they're not invincible. So really, and Enzo, you know this, in baseball, what does it come down to in the postseason? Pitching. And what do the Indians have better than almost any team in baseball? Pitching and if their lineup can at least be decent, if they can score anywhere between three and a half and four and a half runs per game, this team has a chance. I will speak it into existence this team has a chance. And if they get into the playoffs, as we saw last year with the Nationals, nobody expected the Nationals to to win the World Series. No. You never know what's going to happen.
3: That's the amazing thing about October when it comes to baseball. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, I remember in 2016 not many people really predicted the Indians to go to the World Series. But but we ended up making it.
0: I never understood that because even though they were the two seed, again, I always liked the pitching and our bullpen with Andrew Miller and Cody Allen was dynamite. I'm telling you right now, if it's Kwasi guy, I know he's expecting the miss probably the first month or two of the season if he gets back healthy if he can be the setup man of Brad Hand and then you have Whitgren and those other guys behind him this bullpen could be locked down I'm dead serious Kwase is a young right-handed Arodis Chapman if he is healthy Boy, the, the, this this team, folks. Can we stop complaining? Just just because you're mad about the Dolans and Lindor, look at the team you have. This team has not even sold out opening day tickets. Oh. I know,
3: I'm going to opening day, and I had mentioned on my show last week that opening day tickets are still on sale. Well, first of all, you got them in March 26, Cleveland, Ohio, Indians and Tigers. No, what it, what was the it, scheduling it behind that? Scheduling. It is stupid. They and should have put it, one, It's
0: does a, a one o'clock game. Like what the heck I is mean, that about? Pretty
3: much. When I go down Thursday, it's going to be like me attending a Browns game pretty much. Yeah. Like One o'clock game Thursday. I'm on spring break. So I'll have like a lot of fun, but I don't know if it's going to be completely sold out. Maybe last minute they might get sold out or something. But opening day is like more like a holiday when it comes to baseball compared to any other sport. So
0: question really quickly. Do you think that the opening day ticket sales are more based on the fan's displeasure of Dolan's and Lindor, or do you think it's just based off the timing? Because I really think it's more based off timing.
3: I think it's timing, I, too. I pretty much think it's timing. No one wants to sit out in the cold the whole time and snow or who knows what we get in March. Like, this weather's going to be weird. It's going to be warm this Sunday. And then it's going to go back to rain. Then it's going to be warm, maybe snow. I mean, the weather is unpredictable in Cleveland, Ohio, in the month of March and April, i got to say, too. I think Major League Baseball should shorten the season by 10 games. 162. But, but
0: they're not going to they're not going it's to. Money. it's, it's money. money. It's all money, and it's the reason why—and and your co oh, Sean Fitzgerald, is working on, on an article about MLB implementing a salary cap. I am helping him edit it. Again, I've already told Sean this. It's a great idea, and I'm happy he's writing the article. But at the end of the day, it's not going to happen because it's money, and the big market teams aren't going to go for it. And that's why baseball is in blocks. That's why, spoiler alert, in about five minutes, I'm going to be doing my top 10 players in sports that have the it factor. Mike Trout's not on there. There's nobody in baseball that's on there to me. No. Because baseball isn't marketed.
3: It's not really. You realize why the NBA and the NFL have been doing so much better than baseball. Because you know what? The players are able to market themselves. You see it a lot in the NBA. You also see it in the NFL, too. These players are out getting sponsorships. You see more NFL and NBA players on your TV, on social media, interacting with fans, doing all these nonprofit organizations and stuff, helping out. I'm not saying baseball does that, but they do. But they don't do a good job as well. I mean, How many people in the world really know who Mike Trout is? I mean, really, you can ask someone; they might not even know who Mike Trout is and who's the best player in baseball right now. You can also say about Francisco Lindor. You know, when uh, LeBron was here, LeBron was of course getting all the marketing, and then uh, when LeBron left, people like saying, "Oh, Lindor should be like the face of the city." And then Baker but, Mayfield comes, but, but he's but, not. He's not.
0: He's not the face of the city. And by the way, neither is Baker right now. Baker, with the
3: Cleveland doesn't have a face of the city right now. I mean. We got a lot of big Odell could you, maybe Jarvis. You got a lot of
0: big names, but nobody has the cachet that that LeBron does. I, I'm going to tell you something. The Saints and New Orleans, they have Drew Brees. I can make the argument right now. He's not the face of the city. Zion is. You know why? Because the NBA ratings were down until what happened? Zion appeared. Now they're back up. Because stars and it factor matter. That's a preview in about three minutes on this show. So, Enzo, I just want to say, man, it was fun today. Fun to get you in the studio. I usually don't bring guests back this soon. But, obviously, there, there were some topics today that I know me and you agree on that we had to hit, man. So... Appreciate you coming by. All right,
3: thanks, thanks, Brandon. Love having you. Love being on your show. And uh, remember, tune in the past the mic every Friday noon to two on blackscore.com. dot com. Plus, we have a big announcement coming out tomorrow in about twenty four hours. So be sure to follow Pass underscore the underscore Mike on Twitter and on Instagram too at Pass Mike Sports Talk. Huge announcement coming tomorrow in about twenty four hours. So. Make sure you got your social media right because it's going to be big. And especially for you, Kent State students, you'll really want to listen in on our show on Friday.
0: Again, Enzo Orlando co Past The Mike Sports Talk with Sean Fitzgerald every Friday from noon to two right here on show Ready to come. Thank you, Enzo, for joining us. We'll be right back here. I'm Rensworth. Gentlemen, boys and girls, you are listening live here to the bottom part of our number two. This is the last part of our show here in Brandswood on this Wednesday, March 4th, 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, what a show it has been. I wanna thank Skelet for their song Monster for our official theme song of the show. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, really quickly, do you guys enjoy concerts? Well, so do we. Black Squirrel Radio has teamed up with Promo west Production to give you a chance to win free, yes, free concert tickets. Continue to listen to Black Squirrel Radio for your chance to win free tickets to shows like Dylan France and Young Gravy and Daniel Donato. And while you're at it, be sure to check out PromoWest.com to stay up to date on the latest events and keep it locked right here only on Black Squirrel Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for your Kent State Sports Update. So of course Kent State Men's Basketball lost to Ohio seventy-six to sixty-nine on Friday. For the Flashes, guard Antonio Williams put up twenty-two points in forty minutes, but it was not enough as the rest of the Flashes struggled. However, Kent State somehow rebounded it against the best team in the MAC conference last night, Bowling Green. They beat him pretty pretty handily, 83-69 in a shocking win for Danny Pimpin at a double-double with 24 points and 10 rebounds. Antonio Williams also chipped in with 22 points and 6 assists. Of course, Kent State finishes up the regular season at Akron on Friday. And as we check out the men's standings, Akron does lead the East at 23-7. Kent State is tied for third with Buffalo at 19-11. and And right now, Kent State would be fighting for the five seed. They're right there with Ball State, and they're right there with Buffalo on that four, five, and six fight. Now, Kent State, could they have an opportunity to go to the Mac tournament? Yes. And I'm talking about in Cleveland, but they might have to play a playing game. Obviously our guys will be down there from the sports tomorrow. I will not be down there because I'll be running stuff for Webb. But I do wish those guys good luck next week as they cover men's basketball and women's basketball as well in the MAC tournament. Really quickly, let's shift to the woman's side. They play versus Ohio tonight at seven in the MAC, and they finish up at Buffalo Saturday at two. For the woman, this is a big game tonight. Both Kent State and Ohio, as Ben Pogatti mentioned earlier, they are tied for first place in the MAC East at 17 and 10. They're both 10 and six in the MAC conference. Looking down though for Kent State, their challenge will be in the West Division, both Central Michigan and Ball State. Central Michigan has only lost one conference game. They're fifteen and one. They're twenty-two and five overall, which is five better than Kent State, who again is tied for the Mack East lead with Ohio, and that is a big game tonight at the Mac Center on Kent State's own floor. Let's we'll see if they can get it done and take sole possession of the Mac Eastern Conference. Alright, so ladies and gentlemen. I have teased this throughout the whole show. You know, I really do believe that the it factor in sports matter. You know, I talk about this all the time in wrestling, charisma. You know, we don't really know what makes John Cena, John Cena. We don't really know what makes Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. We don't really know what makes LeBron, LeBron. There's a lot of guys that, you know, obviously play LeBron style. Luka Doncic is one. I took some E last week by saying Wuka Doncic doesn't draw me to a TV screen. Because I've seen a lot of Wuka Doncic. He's a scorer, he's a rebounder, he's an assistor. He's a great player. But he doesn't give me that awe. While Giannis Antetokounmpo doesn't give me that awe that I have to turn on my TV. To me, I just, I've seen too much of them. There's something about LeBron. There's something that makes LeBron extra special. The passes is that I know nobody can make. Luka make shots. I know people can make. I've seen Trey Young before. His name is Steph Curry. I've seen these guys before. Is my point. I've never seen a guy that looks like Zion Williamson in my life. He's special. I've never seen Patrick Mahomes in my life. He's special. Never seen Tom Brady in my life. He's special. So I decided to make a list of the top ten athletes in sports that have the quote-unquote it factor. And again, I truly do believe in this. And I really don't know what the it factor is. I don't think anybody does. But, you know, LeBron, or you look at Zion, or you look at Patrick Mahomes, or you look at Brock Lesnar, and you go, there's something different about them. I mean, we could go all the way back to The Undertaker And Triple H in wrestling. You know, even in baseball, you look at a guy like Barry Bonds or Babe Ruth, who I believe is the greatest baseball player of all time. You look at guys like that. You know, Michael Jordan obviously had it. Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. There are stars... Like, like Luca Donovan, and Trey Young, and I think those of you that play NBA 2K get way too caught up because they rise way too quickly in that game. I'm sorry, Luca, Trey Young, these guys coming out now, like Donovan Mitchell and crew, yeah, they're great players, but are they going to be the person that leads the new championship? I don't think so. It was my knock on Andy Davis. Oh my god, Brandon, Andy Davis is a top five player in basketball. Really? Show me what he's done in the playoffs. Lucas' team is 7th in the West, and they're very talented. But I would take them over Utah and Houston. They're the 17th. I know Russell Westbrook's playing out of his mind right now, but Jersey, when I say this, he's going to joke in the playoffs, and so is James Arndt. They just—they don't have it. Hard and special. He scores a lot of points. Whoop-de-doo. Who cares? It's like a guy that can fly around the ring. Who cares? It's like a guy that hits a lot of home runs. Who cares? Lindor is flashy. There's something about him that makes you go, okay, he's the best shortstop in baseball. There's something about Mike Trott that makes you go, he's the best player in baseball, even though baseball is terribly marketed. There is something about these guys that make them special. So let's go now into the list I have made. And I did rank these from 1 to 10, and I'm going to start with number 1 because I think it makes sense. To me... Every time I hear the name LeBron James, I have to get to a a TV screen. If the Lakers are on, heck, I may not watch the full game because I have to go to bed and get up for class the next morning. But if the Lakers are on at 1030, I will watch them for a quarter. And like I said earlier when I was talking to Enzo, I do believe that the Lakers, not to get off topic, but I think they have issues and I don't trust Kyle Kuzma anymore. But LeBron... He's doing this so special. I think LeBron should be the MVP of the league. I mean, he's averaging 10 assists as a point forward at age 35. Michael Jordan was not a great passer. Giannis isn't a great passer. Ben Simmons is probably as close to LeBron as we can get it. Ben Simmons could actually shoot. So I think Ben Simmons is going to be special one day. But Ben doesn't have that it factor that LeBron does. LeBron is something out of the ordinary I've never seen before. 6'9", 270. Moves like a freight train, can shoot the ball, his leadership, everything about the King. I have no complaints. He should be the MVP of the week. Number two, ladies and gentlemen, the star-studded quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. Now, with Mahomes, as you guys know, I was not the biggest fan of Mahomes, coming out of the draft, and wouldn't stop pretending. Oh, my God, everybody knew Patrick Mahomes is going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. We didn't know that. It's The, the draft was a shoot, Okay, he went to a perfect situation in Kansas City. But there's something about Patrick Mahomes where you're just like, they're down 21 or they're down 28, and they can come back, and Mahomes is doing all these one-handed passes, and he can make throws that nobody has ever seen before. Yeah, he's much watched television. Number three, I already said it was Zion Williamson. I've never seen a kid like this. He's 6'7", probably closer to 6'9". He's over 300 pounds, and he leaps out of the gym. He moves like a point guard at 6'9", 300 pounds. He is a beast. He is moving grown men out of the way. Did you see him the other night against the Lakers? Did you see how he moved Dwight Howard and JaVel McGee right out of the post? Two great rim protectors. And just violently threw the basketball down. That kid I am worried about is weight. Now I don't think he needs to lose a lot of weight. I think a few pounds here and I'm not being critical. But I think it's going to be hard on him when he keeps jumping. And landing with all that velocity on that body. I don't know if Zion's going to last that long to be the face of the league. I think he has more potential to be the face of the league than Giannis, Joel B, Kevin Durant, number two, all these guys. But my question is, can Zion stay healthy? But other than that, who he's much watch TV. And everybody that told me RJ Barrett was going to be better than him, you're joking. Are you kidding me? I, I said, it. look, I'm not the biggest college basketball fan. You guys know this. I don't watch a lot of March Madness. I don't watch like college basketball. I watched every single Duke game only because Zion was there. And when I saw R.J. Barrett taking all those shots in the last second, I was like, are you kidding me? This guy, all he is is a score. And I talked about this. Scores don't win games in basketball. The it factor does. Number four. Folks, it's Brock Lesnar. There may be no better heel in wrestling ever than Brock Lesnar. When you see Brock Lesnar up close in person like I have, he's intimidating. He is the beast incarnate for a reason. He threw around ricocheted like a chew toy last Thursday at Super Showdown. And I couldn't have been more proud to say that he is still the reigning, defending, undisputed WWE heavyweight champion of the world. There is something about Brock Lesnar... That makes you scare. There's something that you know. Oh, 500-pounder? It's easy for Brock Lesnar to pick up the big show and F5 of them. Or pick up Braun Strowman at F5 of them. Or make him up with ease. Or, by the way, beat Randy Couture in the UFC and become one of the fastest rising stars in UFC history. Brock Lesnar is not your average human being. And he still draws. He's a great heel. And he's marketing galore. And that's why Vince McMahon and Demi A for him because everybody wants to see that mammoth, that animal of a man in Brock Lesnar. Number five is John Cena. Now, folks, have you ever heard John Cena talk? He is one of the greatest talkers I have ever seen. John Cena, no matter what, when he cuts a promo, you listen. You feel the energy. When John Cena comes out to talk on Raw, SmackDown, wherever he is. John Cena, no matter what, is passionate about the business. White people chant, John Cena, we love you, and John Cena sucks. It really is the reason, because John Cena is polarizing. He is captivating. Ladies and gentlemen, he's one of the best promo talkers I have ever seen in my life. And there's always a reason for that. Because John Cena is one of the best of all time, folks. Number six is Lamar Jackson. Folks, I know all all you Browns hate him, but Lamar's fun to watch, okay? His footwork and quickness, I've never seen anything like it, and I've said this about Lamar. To me, he's already better than Michael Vick. And people have called me crazy on it, but look, I watched Michael Vick for six years in Philly. He was not that great of a passer. I think Lamar Jackson can be more accurate than Michael Vick over time. Michael Vick was never as fast as Lamar Jackson. Michael Vick was never as coachable as Lamar Jackson. And Michael Vick never ran an explosive offense like Lamar Jackson has. The Ravens are much-watched TV, and it's mostly because of number eight in that Baltimore Ravens uniform. Number seven, I got The Fiend. I've never seen anything like him in my life. He's a character almost straight out of the Joker, but they built him out to be one of the most scariest wrestlers in the history of the business he's one of the best characters right now again we may not agree with the way they booked him against Goldberg for the Universe Championship at Super Showdown but The Fiend is obviously much watched TV, he draws ratings the Yowie Wowie all of it, The Fiend is much watched TV for me number 8 is Tom Brady maybe this is just nostalgia but I talked about earlier in the show, it's one of the reasons why I don't want Brady to leave to me, Tom Brady is the goat. He's the best quarterback ever. And you just love watching him work because their system, and this may be Josh McDaniels, it may not be, but their system is so boom, 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 you know, detailed oriented that Tom Brady is just the, the way his precision, the way everything about him is so great that I really think New England's a much watch. I think he's a much watch. Wherever he goes, you want to see Tom Brady because he's a superstar. He has something about him. He has the swag. He's got a wife that people really in a like. who's a supermodel. He's got everything about him. He's got the look. He's got the eye. He's got everything about him to make him the great quarterback. And he's great on social media. And there's something on that people just respect. And, again, that's the it factor. Number nine to me is number two of the Los Angeles Clippers, Kawhi Leonard. And the only reason why I say this is because he's interesting. Why? Because like Brock Lesnar, Wonder doesn't talk. He really doesn't talk. He just hoops. We don't know his game plan, and his game's interesting. That's what makes him interesting. And then finally, the number 10 is Kevin Durant. Well, Kevin Durant, we all think he's, you know, not one of the top three best players in the world anymore for some reason. He's a seven-foot monster. That can shoot. To me, he's the second best player in the world next to LeBron when he gets healthy next year. He's a seven foot monster that can do everything LeBron can do besides pass. That's the only difference. Now, Durant's a good passer. Don't get me wrong, he's a good passer. I don't want this narrative out there of me saying Kevin Durant can't pass the ball. Kevin Durant can pass, but Kevin Durant is not nearly as great of a passer as LeBron and that's the difference in why LeBron to me is still the best player in the world because even though Kevin Durant is a better shooter than LeBron and even though I like watching the way Kevin Durant plays because we've never seen somebody like him before again you get the theme never seen somebody like this before he's long he's seven foot and he shoots like a 6'6 easy foot jump shooter that's why Kevin Durant is special and it's not because it's passing, it's because he can score well. Now, Kawhi Leonard can score well too, but he's a little bit smaller. And what intrigues me about him is he's great on the defensive end. And again, we never really know what we're going to get from him on a night-to-night basis. With the world management, you know, will he even say something about the teammates? His ah-ha-ha laugh, you know, people like that as well. So, to me, these are your ten. Top 10 people that have the it factor right now. And again, this is something that we don't know what it is. But it's something about them that when we see them, we get glued to a TV screen. LeBron Mahomes, Zion Lesnar, John Cena, Lamar Jackson, The Fiend, Tom Brady, Kawhi Leonard, and Kevin Durant. That is my top 10. And again, you notice there are no baseball players or hockey players on there because those are the two worst Marketing sports, nobody would know who Mike Trout is here, I believe, he just casually walked down the street. Mike Trout doesn't draw me to a TV screen. Francisco Lindor doesn't draw me to a TV screen. These baseball guys don't do that. It's more so with the game because it's such a team game. Where some of these quarterbacks in the NFL draw me, some of these wrestlers now draw me. Not necessarily the young guys, and not necessarily the young guys in the NBA either. Again, John Moran, we've seen him. Trey Young, we've seen him. Luka Dantic, we've seen him. They're all great scores. They all can shoot freeze, whoop de doo We've never seen something like LeBron. We've never seen something like Kevin Durant. We've never seen something like Kawhi Leonard. And we've never seen something like Zion. So I challenge you guys to do this. Make your own it-factor list. See where it lands. Tweet it at me at real underscore b-world. And let's compare. And that's how we're going to wrap up the show for today. Appreciate all you guys tuning in on today's Brands World. It was great seeing Ben Pagani and M. Michael Reiner. I know for the most part, Michael has classes on Wednesday. Today was a special exception. So I know we're going to try to record a special podcast sometime with Michael and Ben before or after WrestleMania. But let me just say, man, I felt like today I kind of owed it to you guys. felt like last week's show was kind of poor to, uh, to be nice. So I really felt like I needed to bring the energy today. I felt like I have, and uh, make sure you guys tune in. I got something special over the line wind up for next week, and I can't wait. Next week's going to be a fun week. We should have answers on, on NFL Free Agency. We're getting closer to WrestleMania. We're 32 days away from today, and, of course, the Mac tournament and, and everything going on with March Madness. Those are going to be a, our three main topics, but, of course, we also have spring training, baseball's right around the corner, so March is going to be on fire And I can't wait to spend it with you guys here every Wednesday from noon to two right here on Brands World. With that being said, I am out for the week, and I will see you guys next week. Peace.